I want you to turn in your Bible to, to the book of Exodus. I'll also saw it on the screen, but I, I'll give you an opportunity to follow along in your Bibles on your phones. Exodus chapter 4 is where we'll start, and we'll skip through a lot of verses in Exodus. But there's two categories of people that, that I want to talk about today. There are those who are seeking God for what He can do for them, that, that they serve Him, live for Him, for His provision, for His protection, for what He can do. And, and our relationship with Jesus, you need to know this, it often starts out of need. The rich young ruler, he came to Jesus because he had a lack of purpose. There was something in his spirit, something in his heart that wasn't right. And, and that's fine. Often we go to Jesus out of crisis. Well, I've seen many people come back to church after they have a baby. There's something about that season in their life where they're more uh, aware or attuned to spiritual things. And so there's nothing wrong with that. But, but you, cannot, you can't stay there long. If you stay in a relationship with Jesus out of what he can do for me, it's like Jesus for the moment. What happens is he either meets your need and you go on to something else, or he doesn't meet your need as you expected and you go on to something else. And so it's just Jesus for a moment. Let me just, and, and the problem is we don't, want, we don't want the solution. We just want like something to numb the pain. We don't want to be transformed. We just want... We just want God to move on our behalf. And I'm telling you, God does do that and God wants to do that, but you can't stay there. You can't stay in a place of constant, God, I'm just going to serve you because I'm, it's, like a, it's like a lady that, that marries a rich man because she just wants his money, just a sugar daddy. It just, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. And then on the flip side, there are people who worship God for who he is. And it often, again, it still starts out of need. I, I, I got to... You know, I, I'm in this crisis, I need this healing, I, I, I don't have purpose, whatever. It begins with a need, but they get to a poise, place where they, they realize that, that it's not about what God can do for me, it's about who God is. It's about that He is, he, it's in Him that I live and move and have my very being. That it's about Him and not initially what He can do for me. And there's no better example or, or case study than, the, than the, in the life of Moses and in the life of of the Israelites. And, and you know, the children, let me just give you a quick backstory. The children of Israel been in, been in bondage for 400 years now. I mean, if you, if you even want to go way back before that, Abraham was told by God that I'm going to make your descendants as great as, this, as the stars in the sky, and you're going to be a blessing to all nations. And, and, and years, generations later, Israel has not been a blessing. Israel doesn't even look like a blessing. In fact, they're in captivity to the Egyptians. They're in 16-hour days. They're, they're, not, they're, build, they're working to build another man's kingdom. They're just in a really bad spot in every way. And Moses comes on the scene. You, you've seen Moses. Maybe you've watched the movie Moses. He was born a Hebrew, and, and his mama puts him in a basket. But an Egyptian uh, raises him or takes him in. And so he's, he's, he's uh, educated in the Egyptian's ways. And, and he knows he's a Hebrew. And long story short, he kills... He kills an Egyptian and he runs for his life. He's on the backside of a desert. He's tending sheep. He's herding cow. He's just trying to stay out of the limelight, stay out of the way. And God begins to speak to him. He says, I want you to go back to Egypt and I want you to deliver the Israelites out of the bondage, the oppression of Pharaoh. And Moses begins all the excuses. I'm not eloquent enough. I don't know how to talk. What do I do? What do I say? What? Finally, he gets up enough courage and he says, okay, God. I'll do it. And so he goes first back to the Israelites. And watch this. He goes, Moses and Aaron, that's his brother, brought together all the elders of, of Israel. And so 
they got together and Aaron told them everything the Lord had said to Moses. What did, what did the Lord say to Moses? He said, I've heard the afflictions. I've heard the cries of my people. I'm going to rescue them from oppression and I'm going to bring them into the promised land. And I'm going to do it miraculously where everybody will know that God is Lord. And so, and so Aaron shares that with all the leaders. They're getting pumped up. And, 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 and God said, if they don't believe you, do some signs. And so Moses performed some signs before the people. So he had a staff in his hand. He threw it down. It turned into a serpent. And, and the guy, you know, they're, they're wigging out. What, what in the world? And he grabs it by the tail and it turns back into the staff. And they're going, man, maybe this is God. And then, then he puts his hand in his coat and he brings it out and it's leprous. It's eaten away. He puts it back in his coat and it comes out clean. And they're going, man, this is not natural. This is supernatural. This is spiritual. This is... This is for real. And then he goes to the Nile and dips out some water. And as he pours it on the ground, it turns into blood. And so they say, this is God. Moses is not just some phony, fake, false prophet. This is the man of God. This is the word of God. This is, we, we're going to believe it. And so, and so they, they believed. And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and seen their misery, they bowed down and worshiped. God, we're so excited. We're so honored. We're so blessed. We love you. We we're, we're, we're passionate about you. We're going we're gonna to serve you. Can you imagine the celebration? 400 years of bondage, 400 years of slavery. Moses comes on the scene, tell him the, tells them about the compassion of God, shows them with signs and wonders. And, and for several generations, they've been expecting. They've been promised to deliver. And now their grandfather talked about it. Their great-grandfather talked about it. And now this deliverer is on the scene, and they're excited. And so in Exodus chapter 5, you skip ahead just a little bit. Moses now goes to Pharaoh. Pharaoh's the ruler of the Egyptians. He's got to get his permission. So he tells him everything that the Lord had done and told him that, that well, we're just going to go in the wilderness. We want to go for three days. We're going to worship. And somewhere along the line, Pharaoh didn't get the memo. In fact, Pharaoh got very angry, got ticked. And this is what he said. That same day, Pharaoh gave this order to the slave drivers and the overseers in charge of the people. And that's the Israelites, those that are in slavery and bondage. You are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw. But require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They're lazy. That's why they're crying out, let's go and sacrifice to our God. So tongue-in-cheek, very uh, cynical, very critical. Make the work harder for the people so that they will keep working. And, and don't pay no attention to their lives. And, and, and so now... They're in worse shape than they were. They got to get up two hours earlier to get the straw, to make the straw. They were working 16 hours. Now they're working 18 hours. Their workload increased. Moses went to Pharaoh and their hardships intensified. And, and, and what's the Israelites' response? You remember, they were all excited because God brought them a deliverer. But now, now God's not answering the way that they thought. And the Israelites' overseers realized they were in trouble when they were told, you're not to reduce the number of bricks required for you each day. When they left Pharaoh, they found Moses and Aaron waiting to meet them. And they said, may the Lord look on you and judge you. you, got, you I, we should have never believed you. We should have never, never even met with you. You've made us obnoxious to Pharaoh and his officials and put a, put a sword in their hand to kill us. So, I, I mean, this is just a matter of days. They went from rejoicing and singing and celebrating about the greatness and goodness of God. God did not respond like they thought or they intended or they wanted. And now they're mad and they're cussing and they're angry. And they're saying, Moses, you should have never come. You, you, you've just made us a stink in the nostril of Pharaoh. He's going to kill us and, 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 rid, and get rid of us. 
And, and in light of all this, and I'm skipping ahead and moving forward because I just want you to get the point. Here's the point. Some people worship God for, for what he does. Can't stay there. Some people worship God for who he is. That's where I want us to be. So in, in Exodus chapter 5, or in Exodus chapter, rather, 14, they get to the Red Sea. And, and again, well, I, can I just step back really quick? So, so they finally get out of there. After the ten plagues, remember the ten plagues? And all the miracles and all the miraculous things. And they are so pumped because they don't even leave. They just don't leave as slaves. They plunder the Egyptians. They leave with gold and silver. They're not only free, they're rich. They, they, not a one of them was sick. God was so good to them. Not one of them was sick. No flu, no colds, no sniffles. No, God just miraculously touched them physically, provided for them financially, and set a course out before them. And they're pumped, man. They've seen the miracles of God. And then they get to the Red Sea. And as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians, the ones that God had delivered them, the, the ones that God had, had, had shown time and time again that God was God. And they were marching after them. And they were terrified, and they cried out to the Lord. And then they said to Moses, what it, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? What have you done by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. And here's the pattern. It just, this, is, this is the beginning of it. When they feel like God is working on their behalf and doing what they want, they're worshiping God. When it doesn't look good, when they're, when they're not getting their answer as they anticipated or as they thought, they're ready to turn back and go back to Egypt. And it's just this continual cycle of, oh, as long as God is doing what I want and what I think and what I feel, then I'll serve him. But the minute he doesn't, then, then I'm not. And, and some people serve him for what he does, and some people serve him for who he is. And you got to get to the point where you serve him for who he is. And it indicates that their hearts, they're serving God only for what he can do for them. And in spite of their unbelief, God sends a tsunami, you know, you know the story, he, a wave over the Egyptians. This, again, miraculously, they walk on dry ground. And the Bible says that 800,000 women start singing and dancing. They get their tambourines out. That probably was a nightmare. And they're, they're beating the tambourines, and they're singing the horse and the rider is thrown into the sea. And, 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 and they, they, there's a great chorus in Exodus that they come up with. And they're just so pumped. And, and they're so celebratory. And they're, they're so in love with Jesus. And they're so excited for what God was doing and in doing for them. And three days later, they're thirsty and they're hungry. And this is what uh, oh, Exodus 16 says. So the whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they'd come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled, mumbled, complained against Moses. And we know as you look at the narrative, they weren't grumbling against Moses. They were grumbling against God. The, the Israelites said to Moses, if only we had died uh, by the Lord's hand in Egypt. Do you, I mean, do you see the pattern again? I mean, three days earlier, they're celebrating. Now they want to go back to Egypt and die. Because they, they sat around pots of meat and ate all the food they wanted. And so God, he, again, in his mercy, I don't know why he did it. I mean, he's just God. But, but God... But God helped them so they, so they wouldn't starve to death. And, 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 and this, this pattern goes on and on all throughout the book of, of Exodus. And God finally, enough. I'm tired of these hard-headed 
stiff-necked people. And, and so uh, he came to Moses, and this is what he told him. Then the Lord said to Moses, leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt, and go up to the land I promised you. So I, I'm, regardless of their attitude, their heart, I'm going to keep my word, God said. I'm going to bring them to a land with milk and honey, and, 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 and the land of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give this to your descendants. I will send an angel before you and drive out all these ites, termites and bugites, and I'm going to get all these ites out of the way and, and go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. This is, what, this is what God says. I'm sending you, but I'm not going with you. I can't take it anymore. These people are grumbling. They're murmuring. They're complaining. They just want to serve me for what I do for them. They, they haven't even taken the time to really realize who I am and what I'm about. I'm done with them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick to my word, but I'm, I'm going to send a choice angel. He'll protect you. He'll watch over you. You'll get to the desired destination, but I'm not going with you. And here's what Moses said. But I will not go, because you are, that's what God said, because you're stiff-necked and I might destroy you on the way. So Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, if the manifest presence of God, Moses was saying, look, I don't care if I'm, if I'm hungry, if I'm if I, if I need water, I don't care if the Red Sea is before me and the Egyptians are behind me. I'd rather be in a pickle. I'd rather be in the worst case possible with your presence than somewhere safe and secure without it. I don't want you, God, for what you do for me. I want you because of who you are. I want you because you're my king, you're my savior, you're my leader, you're my Lord. You're the God who was and is and is to come. That there was no God before you, after you. There, there's no God like you. There is no other God like you, Jehovah God. You're a forgiving God, a gracious God. You're a God that's slow to anger and abounding in love. And I've made a decision to serve you and love you and honor you regardless if you don't do another thing for me because it's not about what you do for me. You've already done it for me. I'm committed to serve and live for you and I'm going to worship you because of who you are, not because of what you do. He said, I'm not, I'm not going there. I, I, I'm going to stay here. You know where here is? It's in the desert. You know what the desert represents? It represents barrenness. It represents dryness. It represents hardship. It, it represents toil. It represents heartache. Moses said, I'd rather stay in a place of heartache with your presence than a place of, 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 of uh, much without it. I, I remember when... Uh, when several years ago, uh, I don't know, more four or five, Angie and I had an opportunity. We had a conference in Arizona, and so it was the big general council, the Assemblies of God. So we went out there, and while we were there, we were so close to California that we rented a rental car, and we wanted to drive the, it was about eight or nine hours across Arizona into California and sent, spend some time in Laguna, I think it was Laguna Beach, right there in Orange County. I don't know the exact place, but we were going to go there. And so we got out of, in Arizona, you know, it's just hot, and, and it, was in, it was in August. And we, we start heading across there, and it's desert for six hours. It's desert. I mean, I don't know if you, if you don't even been, if you've never been there, I can't even explain it. Because I'm not used to that kind of terrain and territory. There was nothing. No Chick-fil-A, no Panera, no Wawa, no nothing, no rest stops. I mean, they had little, little buildings on the side of the road for you to go to the restroom. And it was just, I mean, nothing could grow out there. There was nothing green. There was nothing. That, that's the desert. Then we get into California, a little into California, and it was like a cloud lifted, and we were in paradise. And when we were, 
going through the desert, the, 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 the thermometer, what's the thing in the car that tells you how hot it is? 110 degrees. I thought that little car that we rented was going to overheat and explode and leave me on the side of the road with no Chick-fil-A. I mean, it was just, it was bad. And, and then we get to California, and it was like the veil lifted, and all of a sudden we went from 110 to 80, from barren and dry to paradise, from from no vegetation and no nothing to beauty and splendor and amazing. And Moses is saying, I'd rather stay in the barrenness with your presence than in the plush, nice, without it. And, it, and it's so, it's, there's such a comparison contract, contrast between Moses and the children of Israel. And this is, where, this is where I'm asking Holy Spirit speak to us. Are we serving God for what he can do for us? Are we serving God for who he is? Do, do, are, we, are we passionate for his presence? Or do we just want his provision and protection? I'm telling you today, if you have his presence, you have his protection. And you have his provision. It might not look like what you want or what you think, but in his presence, there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. I want us to get to a place where we are so passionate about the presence of God that if we're having a good day or a bad day, God, I want your presence. I, I, I want your peace. I want your joy. I, and, you know, we have the omnipresence of God. That means God's everywhere at all the time. But I want your manifest presence. I want your revealed presence. I want, your, I want the presence of God more than any, anything else. And that, that's the question tonight. Where, where are you concerning your relationship with God? You're more concerned about what he can do for you. Are you more concerned about who he is? Why don't you bow your heads and your hearts with me for just a moment. And when you say this, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Holy Spirit, use, use the words of Scripture Say that, use the voice of my pastor to speak into my heart today. And, and I say, Lord, what are you saying to me? Where am I at? I, I want to do some reflection. I want to do some introspection. I, I want to know, God. I don't want to serve you out of what you can do. I want to serve you out of who you are. Forgive me, God, for my, I'm talking to me personally, for my up and down, my flake it, whatever, Lord. And. And I just recommit to you and say, God, I, I want to be like Moses. I don't want to go if your presence doesn't go there with us. Lord, I want your presence more than anything. I want it more than anything. We're going to have an opportunity to, to reveal, I think, I don't want to be too strong, but to reveal to the Lord our hearts of how bad we want his presence as we go into a time of worship. Worship's a big deal. Some of us, some of us think it's, well, it's just an opportunity to get us ready for the word, and, and that's so wrong. Worship, worship brings us into his presence. The Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. Worship, worship invokes the presence of God. There's a story in the New Testament where, where this woman said, uh, uh, well, where do we worship and what's it all about? And Jesus said, Hey, if you'll, if this, in essence, he said, if you'll just worship God, he'll find you. He'll, he is drawn to worship. He's drawn to praise. And worship is, is focused. Worship is love expressed. Love it, worship is just declaring 
God, I love you for who you are. I love you for, for, for what you're about. I, I love you and I want you. And tonight, I, maybe, maybe you, you know, you've had a rough week, a long week, but we're, this opportunity is now. And Jesus is worthy of our worship now. And, and I'm not trying to manipulate, twist your arm, pull your, I'm not trying to do anything. I'm trying to exhort you and encourage you. God wants to meet with you. God wants to show up in your life. God wants to reveal his manifest presence. And you can sit there with your hands in your pocket and, and you can say whatever. Or you can say, God, I'm going after you. I'm going to draw near to you because you've said you're going to draw near to me. I'm going to go after you with all my heart. I'm going to lay aside what I want. And I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. And I'm going to pursue you, God, with everything that I have. I bless you today. I love you today. Why don't you stand on your feet with me? And if that's your desire, will you just lift your hands towards heaven? And when you say, God, I want your presence. I want to be like Moses. Lord, I want, your, I want you today. Not what you'll do for me. Not what you even want to do through me right now. I just want you, God, and all that I can. I just want to, I want to be filled and consumed with you and your glory and your presence. Lord, I'm hungry for you. I'm thirsty for you. I long for you, God. I need you tonight. You know, that's a prayer God responds to. Lord, I need you. Not where I need to be. I need you, Jesus. I need more of you. Help me to focus. Help me to, help me to passionately pursue you with everything I have tonight. In Jesus' name. Well, can, can we, Megan, can you just put that mic up to your mouth? Megan, and just start worshiping with no song right now. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we praise you.